So where shall we begin? We've had these albums for a while. So. We have, but I'm going to venture to say that we haven't listened to them as though we've had them for a while because none of them particularly stuck. No. So I sort of have, well, I've got thoughts on two of them and... And, uh, and you can't well, even remember fucking listening to the other one. Yeah, the, the other one <laughs> I tried to quickly listen to on my phone. You're like, what was that one about again? Yep. Uh, let, let's start with Electric Six, right? Which is a band that I, I quite admire. I, I think it's actually a really good band. And th- this whole album, I was thinking, you guys are way better at doing your own stuff than covers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't the, know the, whether any of the, these songs were an improvement on the original. Well, well, there's quite a, there's two schools of thought if you're gonna if you're gonna do a cover version of something. You either do a really faithful, as good as the original version, or you reinvent yeah. it in a really cool way. You know. Yeah. Dillard, uh, sorry, Hendrix all along the Watchtower kind of way. And most of these don't quite do either. It just feels like uh, sort of an RSL club covers band who are really quite competent. And if you went and saw them and, you know, I'm thinking about a lot of bands that, you know, I've watched Adam Beard in over the years. I'm like, this is this is a great experience on the night and having a f- fucking fantastic time. Would you then turn around and go and pay for a recording of them covering other people's music? Probably not. No. I mean, I mean, if you're going to have a gimmick about, um, you know, if you're going to reinvent songs and have a gimmick with the covers band, you know, you should have a brass section and you should have a lead singer who pisses on people. <laughs> well, I wish I'd said an over-under on when we were going to get that joke. We have to get Holy in there somehow. Shit. Holy shit, what is going on there? What like I liked said, about that, the lead singer of brass... Well, the... Yeah. the, the They've been regulars in my fucking Discover Weekly doing brass covers of things, and I've always skipped past it because I don't give a shit. Um, I mean, they seem entirely competent, but um, the, the statement that was the, the, the band basically sold her out because I mean, if you hear the transcript of what she actually did, it was not good. It was very odd and very strange, and I don't want to king shame, but I'm going to king shame in this situation. Um, and she put out a statement saying, you know, you know. I'm, I'm embarrassed, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I've disappointed the rest of my my, my band. Uh, we're a band that always likes to push the limits, and I, I almost want to say, stop right there. You're a covers band with a with the the fucking brass section out of a '90s ska band. That's all you are. The, the only limits you're pushing are fucking credibility. What the fuck are we doing with fucking pushing the limits? It, I don't know. It was very strange. And speaking very. of covers acts that are taking the piss, what do you think about Tay Tay? Look, it's just exhausting, really. Like, the overwhelming sort of discourse on it all. It's like, When The Guardian put out a thing saying, Does Jake Gyllenhaal have her, have Taylor Swift's scarf? It's like, Who gives a fuck? Did the Manchester Guardian get put into fucking existence 200 years ago to end up with this? We're a fucking lost and found service for extremely rich white girls? Get fucked! Uh, I don't uh, pay eighty bucks a year for this. <laughs> well, I don't pay anything, so. Well, I, I do. I, I, I mainly pay 
guardian for David Squire's fucking um, yes. football, football, and, and he's doing money, an A League one again. And I was so thrilled to see that uh, that Squires was doing an A League comic again. Uh, yes, so I, I really wish Squires was into basketball. That's all I can say. Yeah, I don't think it works because you need all that. The sort of there needs to be a lot of English uh, content for that. Anyway, Electric Six, um, it's fine, but they're not reinventing stuff and they're not really straight covering stuff. And the stuff they're best at is doing their own songs, even though um, they, the version of Danger High Voltage isn't better than the original because it doesn't have Jack White. Um, but the gay, gay Bar was fine. It was actually a decent reinvention, and they played. They did. They did a more interesting solo and. It felt like this could have been a live set where they just fucked about. And having, I saw, yeah. I did manage to see them live years and years ago. I think it was at Splendor in the Grass about oh, 15, 16 years ago, something like that. Um, and they were, they were a fucking delight. They were just a really, really good. And given that most of the moving parts have changed since then, I mean, that's the thing about this band is that it's mainly just the front man and a kind of Andrew Stockdale style. Most of the people who play around him have all fucked off in the interim. Uh, and are replaced by other people, but they still do a good show. Um, there's there's a little through line here, right? From from this this album uh, to go on to the Holly Smith album. I didn't know the- where you were going, so I couldn't help you. So we're going to Holly <laughs> yeah. Smith. No, no, I just, I just, no, no. I'll, I'll I'll just sort of finish my point about Electric Six, which is I listened to their cover of "Don't Change," and I was like, wow. I really want to go and listen to an excess now. And Holly Smith, and this is going to sound really, really strange, but Holly Smith, I was listening to it, and I got about halfway through, and I'm like, what fuck, what does this remind me of? This big, this big vocal performance, this, you know, very, these big drum fills, this really sort of histronic sort of sound. Like it was just tickling something in the back of my brain that there was an album that that I really liked that had little bits of this. Not exactly the same, not the same sort of sound, but and then it just clicked and it was um, uh, Adele the, the Tears, No, it was the Tears for Fears album, The Seeds of Love, which is one of <laughs> Holy the few, shit the few eighties albums that I have that I've sort of come all the way around. Like I went from going. Holy shit, I can't believe I, I liked something so cheesy. You know, what the fuck was I thinking? I'm cool now. I listen to grunge and I listen to all this other stuff and I listen to hip-hop and stuff like that. And I've actually come back to and gone, no, this is just fucking really good album. There's some really good songs on here and the drummer's just fucking awesome and he loves his drum fills and he loves his drum solos and the bass guitar's sound is just fucking wicked and it's completely over the top. It's way, way over the top. And I actually feel like the Holly Smith album wasn't enough over the top like it was a little it was bit, a bit yeah restrained it was it was very poppy and but I was I would I would like it to be bigger I would like it to fucking you know br- bring in I don't know a choir she's tired she's in know. her late 30s and she's been through lockdown a lot you know she's tired these <laughs> things so, are interesting because they they were sort of the same uh, they're sort of that kind of slightly quirky alternative pop that came out of Britain in the late 80s, and some of this is bundled together just because of time, but your Terence Trent Darby's and your fucking, um, there's all kinds of odd stuff that kind of popped up, up around the late, the sort of 1989 that um, yeah. was much this, more this interesting a- than, than a lot of, it wasn't indie, but it wasn't just straight pop either. If you take, like, Sowing the Seeds of Love is like us, like 
80 singles, right? No, Sewing Machine of Love. Get it right. <laughs> um, it was an ad for singer. the album, particularly the front half, is actually, um, it's not what I would sort of, you know, it's, it's definitely not bros. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, if you compare it to some of the other pop that was going, like, this is fucking ambitious stuff. Like, they're really sort of going, well, let's... Do th- you know what this is? This is the proto-Muse. This is Muse before Muse. Well, this is like, to, let's to be honest... All against the wall. You're not going to like this, but what it is, go. is... What it is, is it's Sgt. Pepper's London Hearts Club Band. Um, uh, 20 years later. That's uh, what it is. Because the, that uh, kind of... That kind of the back end of Sewing Machine of Love is... It feel... It, it has that kind of... Slightly yeah, yeah. No, no, bizarre, yeah. baroque, umpa music kind of element to it, but it, it's very, very influenced by late era Beatles. Um, I'm, I'm more thinking like if, if, if Muse did a cover of um, Bad Man's Song, like they would absolutely love doing that. That's right up their alley. It starts with a little fucking little bit of tinkly piano with some drums. And then just goes, you know, straight into the one, two, three, four, which is always a good sign in a song. Uh, and then you know, it's good to know people some, can count. It's, it's a sign that the education system some, works. Some big, some big guitars. Some big it worries guitars. me when they go a one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> That's not how it works, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Fucking so anyway, I, Jersey wanker. To, to bring it all back around, I'm sort of glad that uh, that Holly Smith made me go and listen to that album again because I, I I was like, fuck, I, I really like this album. Just. Completely unashamedly, oh, I think that's a that's a cracking album. It's it's one of the few '80s albums that I can listen to and not completely cringe at, at my own taste anymore. So maybe I'm just old and washed and don't care anymore. Maybe. So give one, take one. Um, By '68, one of the most ungoogleable yeah. bands since Girls Pissing on Girls Pissing. Did you like this? I, I thought you would have liked. No, this. no, I, mean, like I didn't know. I didn't know what to fucking make of this because I don't think they knew what to make of it. It's so incoherent um, and all over the shop. I mean, there's bits that kind of feel like late era, kind of bedraggled white stripes. There's a few tracks on here I like, but it's it's there's a lot of. I mean, the whole album is kind of summed up by. The track, the storm, the storm, the storm. I mean, the, the, the repeated elements are fucking year 10 English levels of, of obviousness, but um, it's a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. I, I just found it a bit tiresome after yeah. about three tracks, to be honest. Yeah, I found, like, I, I couldn't pin it down to what it wanted to be, and I, I kind of lost interest. You know, I've listened to this album probably three, three, four, four times, and I still don't really understand what the fuck they were trying to do, so... Um, there's some nice stuff. There's some interesting stuff on here, but no- nothing that's worth the time, the time investment that it takes to listen to the fucking thing. Whereas with the Holly Smith album, you know what you're going to get. You can th- see the point, and you know that as you listen to the whole bloody thing, you'll get the same. You- you'll at least get a coherence of message and coherence of fucking purpose through the album. Whereas, um, I couldn't work out what this album was about and what it was for. Oh, that's good because I was like, I don't really enjoy this. We are we are in concurrence on this on this album. It is not right. Mm. Um, anyway, I'll put some tears for fears on the um, on the boys' playlist. Yep. <laughs> well, of which Curtis was going around humming. Uh, I think uh, 
I think the the year of the knife is quite an upbeat sort of song. Um, but luckily this week in uh, in the um, or next week in the is he is he going to shout shout little little let it all out there? Um, These are the things you can do without. Ne- next week in the uh, in the New Year's music game is uh, rock opera. So I was like, well, got myself sorted there. Yep, tenacious D. Tenacious D. Um, what have you got that is new, Mister Doctor Yobbe? Mister Sir Doctor Yobbe, to you, <laughs> Sir Doctor Yobbe. Wing Commander, Sir Dr. Yobbo. Um, let's turn to the page that has the instructions on it. Let's go with, look, um, one of my, well, the, the band that did my favourite album of, I think it was 2017, uh, Wobbly Jets, have dropped a new oh, yeah. album. And it's, okay. been a, it's been a lot. I mean, that's that's a lot of years. That's like three or four years. And I think, there's, I think they've fucked around with their sound. And it's, um, it's not quite, it's a little bit like the journey of, Primal Scream went on between their first and second album, but in reverse. Um, I think they've gone more electronic and, and less um, kind of Manchester, you know, climbing joys sort of things. So um, I, I'm willing to, to see what what they're up to because because I enjoyed their first go round. And um, yeah, so uh, Wobbly Wobbly Jets Monster House, I think the album was called. What are you going to okay. give us? Look, I was going to give you I can't Lady look. Hawk. We're, this is an audio medium. I was going to give you Lady Hawk. Did we do Lady Hawk's last album? I've got a funny feeling we liked it. But anyway, there's a rapper from No, I don't, I don't think is- we've done Lady Hawk. We've done – I get Lady Hawk and um, Golden Horse mixed up, who are another New, another um, New Zealand act. But but there's a, a rapper from Goodna, which is, is is essentially where I work. And- oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I've been to Goodna. I don't want to hear anything that's come from Goodna. I don't want to see anything that's well, come from Goodna. Well, the album's called Perspective, so maybe you'll gain some perspective, perspective from listening to this. Perspective is in the rear vision mirror driving away. <laughs> and what is your artist's name? Your Lisi, L-I-S-I. So I feel it's come from Goodna. I feel it's Who always comes up with to- a suburb named Goodna? That's Goodna, not an Aboriginal Goodna. name. That- Fucking Goodna. Is good enough? Good yeah, enough. that's just good enough. Yeah, man, you know, the good fucking crikey dingoes. Fucking my dick's falling off. Can I take a photo I'm, of my weird hog and send it to someone? I'm I'm playing uh, – I'm representing next weekend in the touch touch of the football with in an age bracket that I probably should not be representing, the uh, Yarra Bilba. And I'll tell you, man, there's a lot of, yeah, mate, good enough <laughs> in that team. Uh, Anyway, we'll see how I go. I mean, let's not let's not pretend that you can speak the language. No, no, I, I spend all my time trying not to coach. So, uh, can you pick a Joker album? Because otherwise, I'm going to pick the Paul Kelly Christmas album, and I it, I just looked at it, and it's got a lot of Christmas songs in it. Well, I'll, like I'll beat you to it. I will pick uh, Paul Kelly's touring guitarist, oh. Ash Naylor, okay. who has put out a um, apparently a incredibly beautiful double album through his band even that uh, our man Staffo has been fucking frothing about for weeks and months. In fact, he just dropped an interview with- I liked Even In Period. They were a good band. Even are a a good band. And um, Staffo listened to the album under uh, embargo a couple of months ago 
and just said, I've just listened to the best album of the year. It's fucking tremendous. And then he, he basically, as soon as Parker left it, he said, look, it's the Even, it's the Even album. Everyone knows it's the Even album. And he's just dropped an interview with Ash Naylor on, um, on his Patreon, which is also probably going to go into mainstream media, presumably, probably The Guardian or somewhere. Um, tracks I've heard of it, it just sounds like- I should have a look at that. I, I am I am one of his Patreons, so- Yes, and so, so yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a double album, so and it's a legacy act, so it kind of fits the remit for a um, for a a, a um, a Joker pick. But this this might end up being the best album of the of the three. I wouldn't be surprised if it does, uh, just yeah. because even you know Ash Naylor is really good. It's a double album, but but it's a double album in that the idea is that it, each album is like one of those old school like forty minute. Uh, albums that they used to have back in the sixties. Yeah, like flip, flip the thing. Yes. Yeah. So the whole thing is the whole thing gets it gets out of here in, in less than an, an hour and a bit. So, but uh, all the stuff I've heard off it is just kind of fucking peak Ash Naylor, peak even. See, the thing is too, if you're if you're touring with Paul Kelly, like Paul Kelly is, uh, I find him a little bit like Dave Graney. He's just this ultimate professional. Uh, Weirdly obsessed with gravy, you know, like <laughs> just you know, rock up and do a really good day's work sort of attitude, and mm. like like imagine being that professional all the time in your sort of day to day musical life, and then you're like, well, let's go back and um, record an album. It's it's probably going to be pretty fucking good, isn't it? Because you've just been getting reps, you know, not yeah, sitting, but I think, not I think around. It's more about the fact that that um, and that was something I didn't quite realize until I, I saw Steffo's interview with him. Is how much gunslinger for hire work Ash Naylor does. I mean, obviously he was the he worked with um, he was with the Spix and not the Spix and Specs, the Rock Quiz band for yeah. quite a few years. Um, I mean, Adam wrote a really lovely piece at his old work joint about um, uh, being part of you know performing with the Rock Quiz on tour band and and how supportive Ash Naylor was when uh, Adam was out there belting out the big ones, um, but. He's just a, he's just a, a good egg, and he writes good stuff. So, um, and that's not not to forget, um, not to forget uh, Wally from the Meanies and um, and the other bloke who I've forgotten, who, who are the the other members of Heaven. Like it's a little bit like, um, you know, AB original. You know, just get Dan Sultan in to play some guitar riffs when they need some guitar yeah. riffs. It's like. Yeah, okay. Well, that's probably going to make your music sound- You want the best? You get the best. You, you're pretty fucking good if you can just get Dan Sultan in to play some room. You wanted the best? They couldn't fucking make it. So instead, Ash Nola. Um Yeah, so I reckon that might actually- I mean, the Wobbly Jets album, it could turn out to be a bucket of wank, but um, I mean, they are running a two-piece. I hadn't quite realised um, at the time, but they, they created- I reckon that's probably got something to do with it. They might have been a, a four-piece that have become a creative two-piece as, the, as they've stripped- um, stripped all the layers away. Stripped the you know, bits out that weren't quite up to it. Um, we'll see how that goes. So that's where we are. Right. We have a um, uh, mostly Australian lineup. A bit of Melbourne, a bit of a bit of Goodner, and a bit <laughs> of um, I think LA or San Francisco. I can't remember where, where the Wobbly Jets are from. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that one. So I wouldn't. You'll just get disappointed. Thank you very much, Mister Doctor Yobo. That was uh, a, a nice, tight, bright uh, balls after uh, – well, not balls after dark, tripping balls. What, what are we doing? That's a good question. Um, 
I'll ask you offline what we want to add to the uh, Tripping Balls mixtape, but folks, we do have a mixtape of all the tracks that we like. Uh, we pick one track at the most off uh, all the albums we listen to. Um, we might pick less than one off a lot of the tracks that we've listened to this week. Mm. Yeah, I don't know whether much will make the, the mixtape this week, but anyway. Uh, there might be one track off the 68 album, but um, none of the Holly Smith really stuck to me, so I, I'd, I'd have to- Nah. I'd have to ask you. Like, like, just- like, no, the, the, the Holly Smith did more in, in sort of engendering me into going back into a nostalgia yeah. trip than, than You'd be actually- picking Sewing Machine of Love. <laughs> yeah, that's- Well, no, I'd be Batman song, but yes, n- not, not Holly Smith. Um, yeah. Anyway, nostalgia is a powerful drug. The most powerful, particularly when you're 43 years old. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, we need it out. Pleasure talking to you, Doc. It was nice talking to me, too. Yeah. Bring back the dinosaur, I say. <laughs> and there's your edit point. Oh, uh, dear. Uh, all right. Let's switch that shit off. You're superstar. Some crawly thing in my fucking gin and tonic, you prick. Some what in your gin and tonic? Some crawly thing. A fly. Uh, Wait, there's a fly in my soup. Well, you don't want that. No, I do not want a $48 bottle of whiskey. Thank you very much, damn it. Too cheap? Yeah. Yeah, a lawnmower on that shit. I like my lawnmower fuel a little bit more refined. Just a little. Something, I'm looking for something unusual. Fuck off with your 50 cents off, too. Oh, that makes all the fucking difference. Uh, dear. I just got the la- I got the last of the gin, so um, um, I'm the, the least popular of, person in the house. The last of the summer gin. Yeah, until I go to the shops again. We tried a bit Look. of this Japanese gin, this Roku. Uh, Wait, man. Not bad. Hook us up with that gin sponsorship. We'll yeah. blast the fuck out of it to all 19 of our followers. Oh, 35. At least 35. Maybe 44 on a good day. But all of them drink a shitload of alcohol. Yes. Yes. It should be good.